In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giant. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Folks, welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have three people in my studio tonight. I have with me Eric the Artist. Manamana. <laughs> we just listened to that. We have Gary the Stud. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> and I guess I should round it out with Manamana. I'm Bob Crispin, your host. <laughs> and welcome to this episode of the Muppets. I mean Galaxy Cast. <laughs> well, we're gonna talk about some Star Wars Muppets, aren't we? Yeah. We are eventually, yes, going to get around to some Star Wars Muppets. Well, aren't they all Muppets in a way? I mean they're on their own little well, if, Muppets. Not if they're in the prequels, then they're <laughs> digital, but <laughs> so we're gonna talk about the new director for Star Wars Episode Nine. Same as the old director. <laughs> We're going to talk about David Harbour and him playing Hellboy and what he looks like. We're going to talk about Porgs. That's right, people. Porgs. Not Pogs. This is going to be a Porg-centric episode. And then we're going to talk about the future or not-so-future of Marvel's Inhumans, which we can't believe we're actually already talking about the future of Marvel's Inhumans has the same future that most characters do on Game of Thrones. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> okay. A- anyone you like. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, so let's talk about our first topic tonight, and that is the release this week that... It's ironic, too, because it was just after we recorded the last time that Colin Trevorrow was being removed from Star Wars Episode Nine, and we talked about what that could mean, who they could bring in. I mean, we were excited. Like, we, all we these threw options. some ideas. We yeah. threw some great ideas out there. And what does Star Wars do? What do they decide? Kathleen Kennedy goes, hey, let's go back to J.J. Abrams. Wouldn't that be an awesome idea? And you can hear all of us cheering here at the table. And the sad, the sad thing is, is I like The Force Awakens. I, right. I do. <laughs> but I don't want to see J.J. Abrams on a second film. Right. I really don't. I don't want to see him on a second film. I remember seeing a quote where after he saw the script for The Last Jedi, he had talked about how upset he was that he decided not to keep directing the movies. I think he had an option to do it. 
<clears throat> with with Lucasfilm, and he decided not to. And maybe that's why he decided, okay, I got the opportunity to come back. I'm going to do it because I really missed doing number two. Fine and dandy, but I I feel like, as with the original, original trilogy, it helped to have different visions on each film. And going back to Abrams doesn't necessarily feel like the right move for me. Just personal opinion. Do, do you think they're stuck, Gary? Like, they don't know what else to do, so they just ran back to the only guy they know? Well, okay, we refreshed my memory. Why would the other guy get removed? Because of creative differences? Oh, yeah. He massive was creative massive differences, creative from my understanding. As in, <clears throat> he didn't even want to go the direction of a typical Star Wars film. Like, from my understanding... Like, I directed Jurassic World, and I'm a huge big shot now. Okay, is well, what they were basically saying. Yeah, I was even under the impression and I'm kind of give away who I know in the Star Wars universe, that lightsabers weren't even going to be used in the film. And I, everybody who was like on like talking about that in the room went, wait, we're going to do a Star Wars film without a lightsaber? Like, does that happen? Like, they were confused. They're like, how does that happen? Like, even in Rogue One, it's not supposed to be Jedi-centric. There were lightsabers. Sorry, it's the reality of, of Star Wars films. They're everywhere. So that really kind of was, I think, the straw that broke the camel's back, and that was it. He was out. I mean, at that point, how could you make a Star Wars film without lightsabers in it? Yeah. So that, that you know, I guess my real question is, is J.J. Abrams then, any then, better? I, I heard mean, he like, wanted Ray riding on a Velociraptor's back, and I don't know. I could buy that. She rode a footstickle. <laughs> What's the difference? She did ride a fudgesickle, and maybe it isn't any different. I don't know. That must <laughs> you know. I guess I just my big question is 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 JJ Abrams any better at this point? And then does JJ Abrams do to this film what he did to what was his second Star Trek film? Into the Darkness. Thank you. No, Into where the he Darkness, retells where he basically retells the same story. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Does the well, same thing all over. Like, does he return to the Jedi this uh, bad boy? And I would be uh, no. really mad if we do. Okay, that. Bob. He's already done it already. I know you think... Okay, we already know your thoughts on this. We know that you For, The Force that. Awakens was the, A New Hope. We're A New Hope. Yeah. I get that. We, we've been... Yep. So this one... Although, here's the thing. Talking about The Force Awakens being A New Hope may seem like retreading old ground, but since that's what the movie did, it's okay to do. <laughs> well, I guess, yeah. It, it got the money the first time, didn't it? So why it not did. do it again? It was. Here's the thing. It reinvigorated the franchise. It brought tons of people back into the fold. It made everyone excited for more Star Wars movies. It did. It, it did work. And I like, overall, I like J.J. Abrams. When I see him talk, when I hear interviews, I think he's passionate about the projects he does. And most of the things he's directed, I've enjoyed. To an extent, you know, in different degrees of whatever. He's not, to me, the next Spielberg, which I think he desperately wants to be known as. Maybe he doesn't desperately want to be known as, but the world seems desperate to typecast him. Yeah, Yeah, they seem to want to make him that. The world does. He's a fine director, but he doesn't excite me for another Star Wars film in any way, shape, or form. So to me, that seems like a misstep. My my other fear, my other real fear, is that by not finding a third different director, we're going to get stuck in a rut. And does Disney... Pull, pull the plug completely on the projects and decide right. to go a different route completely. I, I don't know. Well, here's here's like a desperate y- attempt. Here's the thing: none of this can really be decided until after the Last Jedi comes I, out I because agree. the Last Jedi, from what we hear, is going to be such a departure from a typical Star Wars film. There's going to be a lot of newness to it, a lot, which is what I desperately am craving. I'm looking forward to it after Force Awakens. Yep. I want 
an original story. I want original characters, original places. Yeah, harken back with Luke and all that and carry on the story, but I want to see it go somewhere. If that works for the crowds and it's, it's received warmly with great reviews and makes tons of money, they may go... Uh, maybe J. James? Maybe J. Yeah. If it doesn't, and they feel like, okay, we got to write the ship and go back to what people want. Maybe J.J. is the right choice. Right. And here's the other thing. Even if it is super successful, it may not matter if J.J. directs because by that point, they're going to say, okay, what the crowd wants is the newness and the freshness. We got to make sure the script goes in that direction. And then he can't reboot. He's got to go by the this script. Is true. He's gotta, yep. So to me, because he worked on the script for Force Awakens, he purposely kind of put the rebootness in it. Right. If he's not writing it at all, and they do continue in a different direction, depending on where Last Jedi leaves us off, it may not matter if he redirects, and or if he directs again. It, it might still feel fresh. So it's to me, it all hinges on how The Last Jedi does. To me, I actually think it hinges on how The Last Jedi ends. That so like, if The Last Jedi ends in a way that does not help J.J. Abrams to retell a story, or whatever you want right. to call it, then I maybe that's a good idea. I mean, maybe it's good to bring him back with the newness and freshness. Yeah. I mean, if... If because The Last Jedi him. ends with Luke frozen in carbonite and Rey rushing off to rescue him... Then we got a problem. Then we got a problem. Right. But, I mean, like, if if, if, it, if it ends in a way that good is bad and bad is good and, and you know, Leia is the, the chosen one or something, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, it could end in a really weird way. And if it does, it might actually help J.J. in the long run. Yeah. And he can't then homage anything else. So. I, like, so, like I said, I don't think he can influence it at this point. I think it's going to kind of follow its own path depending on how Jedi does. But... That being said, I still would like to see them give it to someone else to bring a fresh perspective in. Uh, yeah, I could agree with you on that one. What about you, Gary? I, I really don't like J.J. at all. The only, only movie I did like that he did was Super 8. Right. Which was enter- that was a good entertaining movie. Right. Cloverfield <laughs> grew on me. Hated that movie. But that, that's he didn't the, direct that, though. He only produced. Right, but that, that grew on me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a movie of his, so it, it grew on me. So, that was all about marketing. Right. That movie was all about going viral. I still, to this day, cannot understand that film. I like it. I don't, I don't get, I don't get, I guess I just don't get the cult following of it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. There's a cult following for it, and I get it. But, I understand there is, but I just don't get it. But right. I finally figured out what the monster was. A giant flea. <laughs> a giant flea. Maybe that's my problem is I just didn't understand the concept of that creature. Like it, it didn't. To make this sense day, to there me. are there are discussion boards and sites that are questioning and digging in and trying to figure things out. Yeah, like and, where did the creature yeah. come from? I mean, I know there's speculation that it's out of the Godzilla universe, etc. I just I don't see it. I don't see it at all. I, I it's it's not out of the Godzilla universe. It's out of the the the, the mist universe. It looks like one of those. Well, it does kind of look like does. something out of that mist universe. Yes, but I, I'm I'm not a fan. I just never liked Cloverfield. That's not. Well, you know, and in the other film, what was the one that, that came out recently? The, the Ten Cloverfield Lane. Thank you. The ten, the Ten Cloverfield Lane. I kind of suspenseful was okay, but yeah. I just it did it didn't do enough for me to to make Cloverfield worthwhile. You know, right. like it I kind of I dug it for I knew going in that it was this small scale type thing, and I kind of dug it, and I thought that uh, John Goodman was fantastic yes. in it. Oh, I, I thought there was some great acting going yeah. on in that film that helped to, to anchor it. That definitely helped. But I just, I don't know. I just didn't feel like it, it did what yeah. it needed to do. So somehow we got all the way onto that. Oh, because of J.J. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. We're Star Wars and more. We've talked about this. I, I, I just, I'm just worried again with the lens flares and stuff for yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> he avoided it for most part with 
The Force Awakens. It wasn't in there. For the most part. And hey, it's like I said, the most famous lens flare of all was in the first Star Wars movie when Han comes diving out of the sun at the end. This is true. So, you know, lens flares. Because I I remember posting that. I remember when they first announced J.J. directing, everyone started going, oh, there's going to be too many lens flares. I found a screen capture of that shot of the Millennium Falcon diving out with the sun flaring behind it and said, yeah, because there's never been lens flares in Star Wars before. And I posted that online. And that's such a true thing, too. You know, when people were worried about that, I mean... There's been lens lens flares in Star Wars. That that's, that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Yep. Okay, so the next thing I wanted to talk about was the images coming out of well, the Hellboy reboot. Is it? A, it's a reboot, correct? It that's is a reboot. This is not it. a continuation of the last story. Ron Perlman's out. So let me Jer- ask you this: Guillermo del Toro's not directing. It's right. a reboot. Now, now that we know it's a reboot, what did you guys think of the first two Hellboy films? The ones that Guillermo del Toro wrote and. Ron Perlman was in. Did you like him? Did you not like him? I loved him. See, I loved him. I loved him for what they were, you know? Yep. Uh, Gary, did you like the Hellboy films? I liked the first one and didn't like the second one. See, didn't I liked like the second, second one. one. I really enjoyed the second one. I, I got a kick out of it. See, to me, the second one actually got more into the Hellboy story, where the first one, you know, it was an origin story. It had to do what it had to do. But I kind of felt like with the second one, we finally got back to like what Hellboy was really about, which is the mystics and all that stuff. And yeah, the, the land the of land, the fae and Yeah, right, all, all that, that stuff. stuff. Yeah. I mean, like that, to me, that all just got back to what the comic books were all about. <clears throat> and I get people who didn't read the comic books or maybe weren't totally into it. Yeah. May not understood all the little I mean, that's the thing you got to know about Hellboy. And I assume most of our listeners have read some Hellboy out there. It's extremely in the land of the mystical and the land of the legend. Right. It's not in the land normally of the horror. Right. It's, it is much more about, uh, there's a tons of trolls and fairies and ancient mystic European woodland elf things. Yeah. And, I've, I've always seen it as like telling the stories <clears throat> of like Eastern Europe. Yeah. From a comic book point of view. <clears throat> you know what I mean? There's a, so, there's a, what's her name? The witch, the Russian witch. There oh, that goes yeah, after yeah, yeah, him, yeah. The one-eyed witch. He took her eye and I can't think of her name all of a sudden. I can't, yeah, I can't either. It's, uh, it's, it's escaping my mind. That's awful. And it's a famous, it's a famous legend witch too. And I right. can't think of it. But anyway, so it's much more, it's always been kind of like that. It even got into Arthurian legends at the end of the series. I mean, for a bit, they were hinting that he was Arthur's rightful heir at one point and all this stuff with a sword. And they, they got into some heavy, weird stuff. And then he died in the comics, spoiler alert, and he went to hell. And then there was a miniseries called Hellboy in Hell that got much more back into right. demons and, yeah. and and being in hell. <clears throat> and then that ended. So now with the reboot, from everything they've said, they definitely want to go the route of darker, scarier. They're, that's the approach they're taking, and it's supposed to be rated R. Yeah, so they can be bloodier. They can be more violent than the Ron Perlman PG friendly. <laughs> and ones. I, I didn't realize this. I just read, read the article here that apparently their Mila Jovovich is playing the Blood Queen. Yes, as the bad guy. Yes, uh, <clears throat> but I have my own issues with Mila Jovovich. Yeah. But I, I won't go there. <laughs> so we have our first images of actual Hellboy. I mean, on the set, you know what he's supposed to look like, all that kind of stuff. And uh, what do you guys think? What do you think of this 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 image of Hellboy that we're seeing here? <clears throat> It's ex- it's accurate. I've, the couple of complaints I've heard is one, his long hair. Hellboy never really had long hair in the comics. He has a bit of a ponytail that's tied off in the back. See, I thought he just had long hair, but it was in a ponytail. Yeah, so they may he may tie that up. This may yeah. just be a different slight look. He looks, for the most part, the part. The other complaint I've heard is why did they go angular with his arm with the with the right hand of doom? Because it's it's always very rounded. <clears throat> with cracks on it, and they've given it this kind of geometric... I don't know if that's bad. It, it looks more armor... 
Right. You know, metal armor than uh, stone. Exactly. And it looks, that's the thing. I guess I got to agree with that. So, but they got the cross on the belt. They've got the pockets. He's got the gun. They've done a, it's very accurate to me. And it's, it's a makeup job and it makes him look great. I mean, it it looks like skin. I'll never look like that. (laughs) So my other question. Neither does he, just so you know, it's right. I saw an interview where he was talking about it. He's like, oh, so I found out I'm going to be Hellboy and I'm going to be, you know, shirtless. So I'm going to have to get in that kind of, you know, uh, Chris Pratt shape. So I'm, yeah. re- I'm ready for it. I'm ready to do this thing and start posting the, the pictures and all that. And I started to do a little working out, losing some weight. And the director got in touch with me and said, whoa, 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 stop. You need to like eat milkshakes and do whatever you're doing to, to maintain your weight because the whole body prosthetic makeup is sized to fit you right now. And if you drastically uh, change... Yeah. It won't fit you and we have to redesign everything. So stop. (laughs) Don't change. (laughs) He's like, he's like, great. This is is the greatest greatest athletic role I've ever trained for. (laughs) (laughs) He was was super happy. Now, didn't Hellboy have, now correct me if I'm wrong, because again, it's been years since he had one of his horns was complete, wasn't it? No, they've all. Someone in the comments got broken off. at, At points, he grows them back. But to deny is? to deny his heritage because he doesn't want to be right, he the, like beast, beast, the beast, right. he snaps him off with his hands and then he grinds down the stumps and he keeps it. Okay, he keeps it like that so that he doesn't grow the horns. Okay, for the long and the funny thing was that you people didn't even know what those were on his head for like the first two miniseries. Really, it was like the third miniseries where he finally sprouted horns and snapped them off, and everyone was like. We get it now. It was something Mignola had planned out, but never explained why he had these right, stumps. Right, why he had these stumps in the And so they did that. But yeah, he grows them back at times and will snap them off because he doesn't, he doesn't, it denies who he is. He doesn't want to be that. So do you think this is a good <clears throat> idea? Like, is the world ready for a Hellboy reboot? Do you guys think this is a thing we're ready for? Or that we need? I guess that's the other question. Do we need it at this point? <laughs> do we need it? I, probably not, but not? Yeah. everything's going dark and gritty with the success of Deadpool and R rated whatever. People yeah. go, Hey, what else can we do? Dark and gritty. Oh, we got this Hellboy thing kind of sitting. We're supposed to make a third film, but are the fans that clamoring to find out the end of the story? First of all, the answer for me was yes. I wanted to know what the heck happened because if anyone remembers at the end of the second film, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, uh, well. uh, his girlfriend Liz is pregnant with his kids. Right. And, He's, it's been promised by a death angel that there's going to be an apocalypse and she's going to suffer worst of all and all this stuff is coming and they'd right, set yeah, up yeah, this yeah. whole story. And then they didn't follow We're never going to find it out. People waited hoping and there was even a point where Del Toro and Perlman met with Mike Mignola. Right. And they came out and everyone was going, they were excited, going, oh, we're going to finally get that third movie. And it was within a day that they came out, Del Toro said, it's dead, you're never going to see it. And within two days after that, they announced the reboot. And I think that's why he got them. He he brought them together to tell them what they were going to do and that they wouldn't be involved. And oh, okay. then, then announced it to the world. But everyone made the assumption that it was going to be, there was a third movie. That there was going to finally be a third one. I, I have mixed feelings about it. You know, I, I don't know if it's necessary because I'm sitting here thinking, I know what you're attempting to do by rebooting it, but I'm also sitting here saying, <laughs> it's it's not even, is it 10 years later? Are we Are we 10 years from, I don't remember when it came out. Sorry, I'm making a little noise here. No, that's okay. I'll tell you in just a second. Keep going. Okay. But, you know, 10 years later, do we really need to reboot it? Or could you have just replaced Hellboy with a different actor and continued on with the story and done whatever you wanted to do? I mean, I, I just, I'm not sure rebooting was necessary only because Hellboy's already got a following and yep. you could have just drawn on that following that's already there. Hellboy 2 The Golden Army came out in 2008. So okay. it's been almost nine years. Almost nine years. So I guess maybe you are. The year for... I met my wife. Oh, really? 
I guess it is due for a reboot, <clears throat> but it just feels weird. Like I, I remember it like yesterday, like that movie yeah. coming out, and I just I, I don't. You know, when you think of reboot, you think of a movie that's been a couple decades old. You know what I mean? Right, or right. something that like maybe we saw as young kids, but now as adults want to see it, you know, better or whatever. But I just, I don't know. I also think Hollywood's too rebooty right now. Oh. I mean, realistically, <clears throat> I'm sick and tired of reboots. I want to see something original, something new, something different. Why do we have to see the same thing over Here's and over the problem, again? though. When original and different comes out, it doesn't make it doesn't back do its well. money. And when reboots come out, like it remake and all this, it's the top of the top of the income. Everyone here's here's my what counter. Gonna do? Here's my counter argument to that. Because when originals come out, there's no good stories coming out of those originals. I, I honestly I think that's part of the problem. This the things they're rebooting have really good stories behind them. That's why they're rebooting them. I still think nobody's writing a decent story in Hollywood that's worth putting out there as a new thing. And that's why people aren't going to see it. Not because necessarily it's Hollywood, but I think it's just because there's no good stories coming by. The other thing is they're they're terrified of losing their money and having failures, so they're doing things that have instant brand recognition that they true they're like marketing already is is done in everyone's memories. Every you know the book it. Well, heck, their marketing is the book itself, all the fans who ever read it, sure. everyone who watched the miniseries, sure. everyone who's fans of Tim Curry, yep. everyone who's a fan of Stephen King. You know, it's like, here's our built-in market. Pet Cemetery, yeah. anything Stephen King's ever done. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, I mean, you've got a, a base that's already there that you can Now imagine if it was a, a written original story where someone said, well, it's about these kids. It's kind of like Stand By Me, but there's a monster and it takes place in the that's 80s. That's why I always wonder. People like, would be like, how the hell are we going to sell this? Could Star Wars ever have come out today? You know what I mean? Like it's just such a it's such a thing that I'm not sure it could have come out today. If if George Lucas had introduced the idea today, I don't know if it would have gotten the cult following it got. You know, based on today's marketplace, I just don't know if today's marketplace would could handle a Star Wars esque style story. Right. And I say well, that, not only I market, say that with a son who wants to go could, out there and do that. Could the audiences? Are audiences willing right. to, to risk to, it to risk on an that. unknown property and go in droves now that? Theaters have trouble pulling audiences in. This is true. Okay, I am. Go, what would science fiction movies look like without Star Wars? Oh my gosh! It, you wouldn't have a big budget Star a uh, uh, science fiction film. I, I just don't think big budget science fiction films would have occurred were it not for uh, Star Wars. I don't think there's been a lot of big budget movies. That's what I'm saying. Like Passengers it, recently. No, no, not just sci-fi movies. I mean, oh, just big budget films. Yeah, period. Like Titanic. Yeah. I don't think it you know what yeah. the the superhero movies are the only ones that are pulling in a big enough budget because they're they got this. But I'm not in. sure they could have gotten off the ground if there oh, hadn't no. been something like Star Wars in order to pull, agreed to pull geeks in and say, listen, people like this are willing to spend that kind of money for the right product, but we got to provide that for them. And that's what Star Wars did is it took a, a an incomplete group of people that have been ignored by Hollywood for generations well, uh, and I'll, said, check these people out. They, well, well, what would the, the special effects and stuff look like? Still Ray Hills and stuff or what? Oh, that's <laughs> what, yeah. George Lucas pushed uh, computer-based technology to limits that could never be imaginable. Now, part of me says that would have happened anyway. Someone computer, else, if, it, if he wasn't the visionary, better, right? someone else would have been. Somebody else would have been the person to use a computer to do that. But he is the guy that pushed it forward. I mean, there's no doubt but, about it. But what year would the stuff would the stuff come out? It might have been decades later. Right. I agree with you. He was ahead of his time as far as right. the technology is concerned. The technology. He was ahead of his time in the technology. Right. He saw what green screening can do when nobody else could. He saw what blue screening can do when nobody else even knew what it was. Like he he introduced. 
blue screening just I wanna, for I want to know Strikes how Back. many things were invented by ILM. Rotoscoping? Oh, uh, what did they, there was a list. There was 82,000 just off of A New Hope. 82,000 new inventions came off of just A New Hope alone. I mean, think about that. You're right. Little things. Rotoscoping, which had never been done before. Multiple matting. Multiple matting. Layering matting. Do they say mixed model creation, which had never been even marketed or thought of before that point. Foley wasn't that important. I mean, it was, but it was much more subtle. And then sound became, I mean, heck, there you go. Immense. There, there's a THX John, John entire, yeah. without the idea of music playing the major role that it played in. I mean, Star Wars and, invented the idea of yeah. the light motif in a movie. And, and this is why just, I hate people ragging on Luke, on Lucas because he was such such he a visionary. Was a visionary. He, he was like a Steve Jobs. He was he like was. all that. He and he altered get, the landscape. He never gets credit for it. That's he did. He, I mean, part. he gets visionary awards and stuff, but the general but public does. The general public is what I'm saying. They they don't like you know like I think Hollywood has now come to realize everything George has given back to that industry. But I'm not sure the average person understands everything George Lucas. I still did. think he should have directed and, Episode Nine. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, well, I, here's the thing. I don't think we'll ever hear the public say that till and I can't believe I'm saying this till he's dead. And then we're going to go, look at all these amazing... I mean, look at Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Look at all these amazing things she did for Star Wars. I mean, as far as story writing and all that. And we didn't know until after she died. And it all came out. So I, I just kind of feel like that's where it's like... <laughs> Which is a good segue. Speaking of Star Wars. Oh, yeah. We are a Star Wars podcast, partly. Porgs, porgs everywhere. Porgs, porgs so much. I just don't care. <laughs> Seriously, that's where I'm at with Porgs right now. I don't know how you guys feel about Porgs, but I am, like, seriously dead in the water with these stupid little creatures, and we haven't even watched the dang movie yet. I, I told my wife the other day, I'm like, I would be surprised if it's in the film for more than ten minutes. Totally oh, it won't surprised. be. I mean, it can't. they have a whole like movie 30, to tell. It'll be a 30-second, like, oh, there's a Porg. Yeah. You know? And, and it... I just cannot believe I mean, how much people have gone. Apparently, on. one's going to be on the Millennium Falcon. Well, I mean, according to the picture we're looking <laughs> yeah. at, yeah. Well, I mean, it does seem like they're with Chewie a lot, and a lot of the pictures we see. StarWars.com put out kind of a funny little cartoon the other day with Chewie and a Porg like interacting with each other. So here's the thing. Here's the thing about Porgs that that bothers me. I guess we're marketing this Porg thing. So there's plush Porgs all over the place. There's a dancing Porg out there for crying there? out loud. See, here's yes. The, and here's the thing, I'll tell you right now, I'm not burned out on Porgs because I've been avoiding all episodes. I've been eight. trying. I'm seriously, like, I've <laughs> They're been not trying, being dumped on me. But you can't, well, in my world, you can't. I mean, like, they're everywhere. Everybody's mm. talking about them. Everybody's buying the dang dancing Porg. I don't care about it. Plush Porgs, you know, oh, they're so cute. They're this, they're that. And I'm like, wait a minute. You people are buying into this thing. And I hate to say it, but, like, Disney's got people on a rope right now, and I'm serious about that. I mean, we haven't even met this character yet. And everybody's like, oh, they're so cute. They're so, oh, they're so awesome. And I'm like, how do you know? You haven't even watched the film yet. I mean, for all you know, the thing turns into a three-eyed dragon. It's a vampire. It sucks everybody's blood out. <laughs> I mean, like, what? how do you know what this thing is? You're like, oh, it's so cute. I want to pet it. Don't get it wet. Don't feed it after midnight. What's I mean, like, <laughs> what do you do with all that? Gary, what's going to happen if a year from now... He does a, a 180 and pulls a whole beep, a pull, pulls a BB-8 on this thing, and he's like, "I need a plushy BB or a porg. I need to have the robotic porg. I want want, want a porg standing right here on the monitor during our podcasting. We'll hold and, you to it a year." I was going to say, and you can call me out when it happens. <laughs> oh yes, we will. <laughs> what do you guys think of porgs? I mean, like I, I said, it's I know I know there's a mar- I know there's a marketing push for them. I've heard a little about them, and I know that they're a talk, but 
it's funny because I guess I haven't even really tried hard to avoid Last Jedi stuff. I've only marginally been like, well, if I if something's coming, I just kind of not look at it. Porgs haven't had that heavy push on me. And I don't go to toy stores, so I haven't seen the toys. I don't, you know, it hasn't been horrible for me yet. So Maybe I'm still waiting. Stop doing it. Stop going to toy stores. So that's the thing. Is I, well, I'm not looking at any of the toys because I hear there's major spoilers on the toys. There is. Mark, I, for those people who don't know, Mark Hamill has actually begged people not to go buy the toys till after you've seen the film. Yeah. And he said there is is a toy. He has not said what it is yet. There is a toy that when it comes out, it's going to be a major spoiler and it's going to ruin the movie. And he's actually upset that the toy is is slated to come out before the movie. And he's upset because at least Kenner had enough guts to wait. To wait on certain toys until after the movie came out. Job of the Hutt did not come out. Till after the movie came out, so you'll finally see Jabba the Hutt after Return of the Jedi. In this case, my understanding is one of the toys is going to come out before the movie, and it's going to ruin the movie for certain people. Hopefully it, not. Well, then hopefully it's not, not everybody, because they're going to start throwing it on social media and stuff. And be like, hey, well, look what the, the thing, store. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, for I'm going to have to wait probably for the next month and a half prior to the film and stop going on social media and all that. Yeah. Which is a shame, because I just want to go and enjoy the film and stop giving me stuff I want to. Oh, I have to take a quick aside. Speaking of Mark Hamill. Go ahead. Did anyone hear about his tweet recently? No. He said, you may want to watch Monday Night Football this week. Just saying. Really? Interesting. There's going to be a, a, trailer, new, a new trailer, a new commercial, something probably during Monday Night Football. Ah, okay. Well, I'll have to check that out. Be, that'll be next week. Next, this coming week. Yeah. Okay. Gary, what did you think? Oh, wait, was that? It said, I think, maybe it's not until October. But okay. they, he na- you got to find his tweet. But look online. I'll, look I'll at Mark Hamill. We'll find the tweet. Make sure you know. I'll but put basically, a link to it. Yeah, he's been talking about it. He, he did that one thing, and of course it got shared everywhere. So. Of course. Gary, what do you think of Forks? I've heard a couple of different things of what they're going to be doing. Yeah. You guys want me to tell you or not? I don't mind. I don't, I don't want to know. I, okay. I literally, I just don't want to know anything so, about the So I won't, I won't say it here. <laughs> I assumed <laughs> it's going to be like hardcore like erotica scenes with the Porgs is just my guess. Yeah, it's going to be chewy with about 40 of them. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> in, in, in bed, you know. What would you call that, a Porgy? Yeah. <laughs> a Porgy? <laughs> a Porgy. <laughs> They're going to have a Porgy. <laughs> That's totally a thing now. I see it happening. <laughs> Hashtag Porgy. Hashtag oh, my God. Porgy. Can I draw? How quick can I draw a cartoon of a bunch of them in a pile and just write above it, Porgy? It would, it would kind of be like a furry pile, right? But it's just oh. a porgy pile. <laughs> just draw Kirk and a bunch of tribbles. Well, you know, uh, and he, Chewbacca and a bunch of and you birds. Gotta, you got you to gotta put just Chewie's head in the middle of all of it. Almost like E.T. with all the stuffed animals. Like, <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> I just, I guess I'm just over porgs. So for all those people out there like, oh, I love them. They're cute. I'm like, really? I'm so over this thing. Like, Someone seriously. needs to take a website that's p.org. <laughs> and have it linked to like Star Wars porn. <laughs> oh God, porn! That would be totally awful. And here's the the other side of that too. Part of me says this is like an awesome marketing campaign and an awful one all at the same time. It's awesome because you know every girl on the planet's like, oh, they're so cute, you know. But part of me is like, yeah, we said the same thing about Ewoks, and look how that turned out. And 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 I just I still don't hate Ewoks. I don't hate them. Yeah, you do. Okay, I do. Uh, <laughs> I just hate the role they played. I just can't believe a bunch of teddy bears were able to beat the Galactic you heard, Empire. You I heard just... why they put them in, though. No. I... It was originally supposed to be a planet of Wookiees. No, and that would have been great. But the been... problem was, by the time they got to that third movie, 
Chewie was so technically advanced, could fly, you know, with the flying of the right. ships and aim, shooting guns. He, the whole storyline he was trying to tell was about a primitive society over beating an advanced society. Right. And that was kind of the relationship he was trying to set up. And he said, I can't do it with Wookiees by the third movie because they're too skilled and too advanced. Yeah. I need something else that can do it. Yeah. And that's where Ewoks came from. Yeah, I know. But it's a shame. I would have rather have had Kashyyyk. Well, we got Kashyyyk in Last Jedi. We did. But it's it's just... it's a Too shame. late. It's a shame. Yeah, yeah, it's like you corrected it after the fact. Uh, Revenge of Sith. Or Revenge of Sith. Revenge of Sith. You're right. But, you know, <laughs> like I said, that's my concern. They're little... They're, they're Ewoks, smaller, cuter, and... And, and, yeah. and not only that, but um, the whole holiday special had Kashyyyk in it, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. So they would have... Got to ignore that. <laughs> They would have had to, to acknowledge and ignore mm-hmm. at the same time, which would have been interesting. You know what would be awesome? If What's we finally that? get to the movie and we see the Porgs walking around during the whole whatever they're on the planet where Luke is. And eventually she goes, you know, what's the deal with all these things? And he just looks at her and goes, I don't know, but they're delicious. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> I won't tell you one of the rumors then because <laughs> you would find it hysterical. <laughs> Okay, so the last one we're going to talk about, which this does not surprise me at all. There have been rumors abound about Marvels and we humans. We talked about and it. We've talked about it. We've talked about it enough times, probably, so we're blue in the face at this point. But here's the interesting one: it has been confirmed by ABC that Marvels and Humans has been canceled. Now, I, I had to read the article because, like, the original article I saw on Facebook said it's been canceled. Meaning you thought it was And done. I thought, like, oh, well, I'm not even going to see the first episode. Like, I want at least to see that. You know, if, if there's going to be an utter failure, I want to see it. You know, <laughs> especially if it's Marvel. I got to see it. They've agreed that they are not doing a second season of Inhumans. ABC's, it's interesting, too. They're trying to play this off like a, it's so good, it only deserves one season. And I'm like, <laughs> who do they think they're kidding? Like, it's so bad, it only deserves one season. And we all know that. Like, stop trying to say, well, it's just so good. We don't need to put a second season. No, y'all know it's that bad that you can't put a second season of it out. I'm not surprised at all, to be honest with you. Here's the the trap behind that, though. What if episodes three, four, and five... Are really good, right? Well, I'll get I'll almost and guarantee you. There's probably going to be one or two good that's episodes. What in that's there. what I'm saying. Like Agents of Shield, even in the first season, even though it dragged like really bad, there were some good episodes within that first season. And that's what I'm saying. Like, what if somewhere towards the end of that first season, it gets really good, and fans are like, but 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 but, so then Marvel hasn't given it a chance. So it's almost like you did with Firefly. You killed it before you even gave it a chance. Yeah. You know, I just I don't know. I don't know if you guys have it's, different thoughts. It's what that, I've but. been saying for a past, I don't know, since before The Force Awakened came out. There's such a oversaturation on the market of so many things to follow. Books, movies, games, online experiences, TV shows, yep. TV tie-ins, crossovers, graphic novel. Everything everyone has to follow. You, you, This generation has the absolute most amount of entertainment at their fingertips, as you could possibly (laughs) imagine. Absolutely. And it streams on your little tablet or on your phone. It's easy. But with so many choices, if something doesn't hit immediately, it will not be given a chance because there's just too much to pull you away and distract you from it. So I can't see in this day and age a show being given two or three seasons to breathe and really find its footing. If it doesn't find its footing in the first two, three episodes... It's going to be gone. It's kind of like what my one buddy said recently. I kind of agree with him. 
we were the point and click generation, right? Yeah. These kids are the lick and flick generation. <laughs> That's what he called it. Like, if it works and you lick and it sticks, they won't flip the screen. But right. if it doesn't stick, then they'll flick to the next thing that yeah. they want to see. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, it's even easier for them to flick than it did for us to oh, point the, click. Oh, the ADD you know? levels are in, in, uh, in kids' days are outrageous. You have no idea. As a teacher, I'm kind of like, I feel like I'm up there doing a horse and pony show at times. Like, hey, I'm going to do you, you know, to, like, yeah, gotta keep your attention. Gotta, yeah, I gotta be doing a dance and a song and a dance and have videos. And, right? Like, you gotta have an on going on. But it's it just, you know, it is. I mean, it's. <laughs> they just don't have the same. We, they don't think the same way we do. And the other thing, too, that they do on multiple levels, I don't know if it's good or bad. I'm still trying to assess this, is they multitask in like unbelievable ways. I mean, they'll, they'll talk to a buddy on the phone, text to another buddy watch TV, play their PlayStation, and have the computer up on Facebook. Yeah. And they're keeping... The weird thing is they can keep track of it all. I can't. <laughs> like, one thing at a time is what Well, here's the thing. On. They seem to be keeping track of it all. Well, they act like but they are can. They, are they just skimming the most... See, that's that's the thing. I mean, I'll guarantee you they're not getting subtext out of that TV show they're sure, watching. Sure, probably not. And, and getting the deep meanings and seeing symbolism. Right. I'll guarantee you with their friends, they're only picking up on the important dates and times and where I gotta be type thing. Right. It's, you know, it's one of those things where like, yeah, you can multitask, but... To what it, end? It's 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 the Cliff Notes version of life. It is. It is. So... Those are our thoughts on those four topics. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and again, what we covered tonight, we talked about J.J. Abrams taking over for Star Wars. We talked about the new look for Hellboy. We talked about Porgs. Are you there or aren't you there? And really, is a Porgy a thing you want to be into? <laughs> <laughs> and Marvel's Inhumans. Is it really done? Is yes. it toasted? It sounds like it is. Sounds like it is. Stick a fork in it. And, and, how, and how the Mighty Have Fallen. Back when that was this big name on right? the screen. Yeah, it's going like, to be a movie. It's going to be a movie. That, yeah. So that's interesting that we've gone, come this far. So we'd love to hear from you. And we'll be back after this commercial break. And when we get back, this is going to be exciting. We're not covering Star Wars tonight. We're not even covering a fan film. Instead, we decided to cover... Seth MacFarlane's new TV show, The Orville. We're going to watch the first episode and talk about it when we get back after this break. We'll be right back after we navigate through this promotional tunnel. It is imperative that we clear this large and growing area of infection before it causes any more damage and pain to the patient. In order to accomplish this, we must find a way to maneuver down the root canal opening, around the first curve where the canal narrows, and then around the second curve where the canal is microscopic in size. Only after doing this can we reach the main areas of infection and adequately treat the tooth. That's impossible even for a computer. It's not impossible. You may not be able to do it with your old-fashioned drills and root canal files, but I can do it with PIPs. Lasers aren't just for X-wings anymore. With my PIPs machine, I can navigate the curves in that canal as easily as I used to bullseye womp rats back home. Plus, it's gentler, more precise, and far more efficient than traditional procedures. Then man your PIPs, and may the force be with you. Doctor, you've put away your traditional instruments. What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. I just don't need them. 
Instead of scraping around inside the root, lasers gently clean out the canal with pulses of light. You said it, Han. Thanks to Pips, root canal treatments are easier and more efficient than ever before. There's no more need to fear root canal treatment. Laser dentistry is faster, less invasive, and much more comfortable than with traditional drills and files. Look at how well it fixed this insurmountable problem from the dark side. You all may have the force, but I have pips. So dental patients everywhere can spend a lot less time worrying and a lot more time celebrating. This is not the celebration I was expecting. big fish and there are little fish. The same is true on land. But which are you? Isn't it time to define yourself? At Shark, we have different Shark credit cards based on your level of insecurity. Let your credit card color define you. Go on a shopping spree with a red Shark card. The great white Shark is a beast of a card. Everyone in the restaurant will see it and know you are the ultimate predator. Tiger Shark is for the flamboyant spender. The Bull Shark for the violent, aggressive predator who hunts in all kinds of environments. Or there's the charitable basking shark. The card for the slow-moving liberal with no teeth. Shark for the apex predator. Now from Kenner's Star Wars collection, it's the Patrol Dubak action figure sold separately. Let's find the droids, Dubak. You can imagine you're a stormtrooper on the patrol Dubak, searching for R2-D2 and C-3PO. Look both ways, Dubak! By moving his tail, you can make Dubak's head turn left and right. You can move his legs, too. He found us! Good work, Dubak! The new Star Wars Patrol Dubak from the Star Wars Collection. Action figures each sold separately by Kenner. Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business, offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world.
Thank you for your patience as we navigated through the promotional tunnel. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, welcome back to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. We just watched Season 1, Episode 1 of The Orville. It's titled Old Wound. So what did you guys think of The Orville? This is, you know, your first time watching it. If you're giving us your second time, I know Eric's your first time. What did you think of The Orville? Was it something that the, we do you think is going to hit its stride or what? It, okay, it's hard to tell from a first episode. You know, I think is. I think back to Encounter at Farpoint and how undefined those characters were to what they eventually became. Sure. So watching the Orville, my first thought after the, it being over is I almost wish he'd drop the crass stuff. Yeah. Just not even have it. Because it's in there so infrequently anyway, it seems to kind of stand out to me like a sore thumb a little when it happens. And I enjoy so much the Star Trek vibe. The I enjoy so much the positive, hopeful science-based, advancing humanity, future-exploring vibe of the show without being a downer. I, I caught myself when they're standing around going, I wish that was Picard. I wish that was Data. I wish that was Worf. You know, it's like I wanted... And I know you can very clearly see that there's the Data character yep. in the row. And what was yeah. it? Isaac or whatever. Isaac, Isaac. is the character. Bordis probably reminds Bordis you of Worf, right? reminds me of Worf. And, yep. you know, there's a little bit of the uh, Bajoran. Who, yep. You know, with the ridges and their security yep. officer feels that way a bit. And yet she's, you know, also innocent and yet she's super strong. And they got the, you know, I actually like Seth MacFarlane. I like him as a performer. I, I don't mind him. He's got a bit of a charm to him. I think he's always, I think in, in the case of this show, I kind of hope as it goes along, I, I get that. I get why he's doing the crass. I get the point. The two guys sitting there bantering at the... It's normal people in Star Trek. Rather than it right. being the best of the best of the best, it's normal people in Star Trek. People who have faults. You know, it's like in Star Trek, they were all so perfect that, yeah, it worked when it was out, but nowadays, would the show still work in the same kind of feel? Because they'd seem too perfect. You couldn't identify with them. They don't really have a ton of faults, and they correct their faults by the end of the episode if they do have them. It always ended up they were such good people. And yeah, I like that. You rooted for them because they were. But... He's going for more flawed. He's going for people who do, you know, they, yeah, the first thing they look at is a dog licking its crotch in the background of a video right. and they comment on it because we all did the same thing when we saw the shot. I mean, it was a setup. I almost think he can do that without being so, without the family guy humor, without penises and dick jokes <laughs> and without, you know, I got it. Sorry, we're getting a little blue in our language here on this podcast, but you have to talk about the Orville because, about the Orville. because that's part of what he's doing with the humor. It'd be like talking about family guy or South Park. Without yeah. So I loved the vibe. I think the characters are pretty cool. I actually like most of the characters right from the get-go. Every single one of them. I'm like, okay, I see a lot of potential with that character, you know? The visuals are great. It's got that, it's got Trek, the next generation feel, but with a bit more modern special effects yeah. tied in with... It's a little sparse for me. I wish it felt a little more lived in. Every place is a little too pristine and too clean. It needs a bit yeah. more, which the original Trek had. So the vibe is there. The characters definitely have potential. I like who everyone's playing. I almost feel like when those jokes come, they're a little out of place okay. in the universe. And I think he can do the same idea of normal people in this situation without that. So it just being the first episode, I'm definitely interested in seeing more. All right. I just don't know yet. Gary, Gary, what do you think of this this show so far? 
I still have to get. Episode. I still have to give it a, a few more episodes, because like like Eric saying, all the jokes are stale from the Family Guy. It's been they've been used from the in the Family Guy and probably used better than what they're doing them here. But I I still haven't figured out what I want want it to be. Okay. I think I think that's the drawback of using Seth MacFarlane. I love Seth. <laughs> I really. I think he's a great guy. I love most of the stuff he does. But I don't think he's ever done anything serious before, ever. So I think the fear was if he just jumped into a Star Trek-style show, nobody would take it seriously. So I think he felt the need to throw some comedy in because it's him. Yeah. And I I think his fear was if he just did a straightforward Star Trek-style show, Fox would have probably canned it. Probably would never have even put it on the air. But by throwing that one or two little crass one-liner in there, I think it actually gave Fox the ability to give it a shot. Because, I mean, how many other shows has Seth MacFarlane said, give me a shot on? And it turned into something so much bigger. Family Guy was supposed yeah. to be a two-season and out. But yet, it had such it's a... It's one of the first shows that ever got brought back from right. cancellation due to fan outcry. Because of f- fan outcry. Same thing with American Dad. It would it it died, what, two, three times because now it's on TBS, I think, right? It got yeah. killed by Fox, and then it got taken over to TBS because fans outcried about Fox killing it. I mean, it's just, there's something about Seth MacFarlane and the way he does things. Oh, and do, people do hate I, him. Some people hate some him. Some people hate him. But then, but I think he's got this cult following. I really do. There are a strong group of people that love Seth MacFarlane and everything he does. Yeah. This show is definitely an extension of that. But I also see what he's doing here. He's given a serious homage to Star Trek The Next Generation. Serious homage. I mean, like, serious homage. Tangent. It was giving as me, in, like I said, it was giving me memory pangs well, of, I'm saying, like, wow, as, I want this again. As in, this is what Star Sh- the next Star Trek show should have been. Yes. That never happened, you know? So that's why when I look at this show, it is kind of weird because it, it's Seth MacFarlane's humor thrown into a Star Trek show, but the thing I think that really throws everybody off when they watch it the first time is, and there's no doubt about it, the graphics are amazing. It's got good visuals. It's the, got like I said, the sets, it has that problem effects. where the sets don't quite live up to the digital visuals Correct. because of budgetary things, but right. they're doing a good job of mixing it around. Considering what their budget's at, the fact that Fox wasn't really going to give them a shot, I mean, it's pretty impressive. And some of the shots are like Oh, beautiful. theatrical shots. Yeah. Having the moon showing through the, love the spikes as it was going by. Yeah. Showing the bridge on that overhead shot as it went by. I'm like, this is epic stuff. Yeah. That like back in the day of Star Trek when it first started would have been like amazing. Oh, God. Yeah. And even by today's standards are pretty damn good on Especially TV. Especially for TV. Yeah. And that's where I'm sitting there going, I think that's where people are having a problem with this show is because of the special effects. But I think they did the right thing by having these amazing special effects because if they had cruddy special effects and the really bad canned humor i think people would have killed it here's within the, the first i episode. gotta see more episodes because i'm wondering if he's successfully pulling off an enormous bait and switch oh yeah he, he's seth mcfarlane he's known for doing what he does crude humor family guy asides you know all that stuff and yet he is clearly an enormous Star Trek fan. Mm-hmm. And he and I've, I've seen it done in some reviews who've said this. He earnestly wants this to be like that show. You can feel it. It's just, oh, yeah. it's just emanating from it. 
I wonder if he was like, I can start this show off where people... And it, it was a, it's a risky proposition because people came in expecting a straight-up parody of... Well, I think that's what they were expecting. Yeah. Of Star, Star Trek, Trek. And they're yeah. not getting it. So the people were like, what's he doing? You know, that some people may feel like it's disrespectful, like he's trying to be them. He shouldn't. I think he's like, the only way this could work. If I did a straight-up disrespectful... Or a parody that was all crass, it'd be a one-seasoner and done. It would be a novelty. It wouldn't make it. If I did a straight-up serious one, it's like you said, people would, would recoil. They'd be like, it's, that's, yeah. I'm not used to this, and this is not Seth what I expected. Yeah. So he's doing this odd mix, and I would not be... Am- I would be amazingly surprised if we don't see the crass humor die off Over very time. quickly through the first season, so that by the end of the first season, you're, in, you're engrossed in the characters. It's now a true Star Trek feel show. Yes, it has humor, but like the crassness is gone, and it, it becomes what I think he wanted to be from the first episode, but knew he couldn't. And so he's gonna, he's gonna pull, he's gonna hook you and get you into that first season. And he's like, if by the end of the first season, I don't have him and I haven't proved that it can be a straight up show with some humor, but not necessarily the crass being funny, being tr- you know, real people in this situation, but becomes its own sci-fi show that people want to continue watching. Well, then I failed, but I, th- I think that's what he's trying for. Right. And I'm very curious to see more episodes of this and see if it gradually becomes more of that and less of what it is in the first episode. I think the other thing, too, that if, if, he, if he uses the humor as a tool within the show, it could work out spectacularly well. Yes. Because maybe that's the one thing Star Trek The Next Generation needed a little more of. Was a little bit of humor here and there. I mean, and it had it. I mean, we had some like Data well, heck, and the cat. You know I do remember like the sec- the very like second episode was when they all got drunk on the ship. Yes, it was. Yeah, you know, and that was such a great episode. And I'm like, it was one that of the better really because it, it, yeah. it immediately after the seriousness of Farpoint yeah. and the whole drama aspect, they said we got to make you like these people. The second episode needs to be straight up funny, and people need to be endeared to these characters, and it worked. Yes. So, I I think that's what the humor needs to do more of. It needs to be less crass and more endearing and, and suck you in with these people. If he switches it over by the end of the first season, I could not be surprised to see this become a new sci-fi TV show. What do you think of the humor, Gary? Do you, do you, do you think it's too much? Like, is, is it work inside this particular style of show that he's designing, or...? I, I, I personally don't think so, but it, it does have its moments in, in places. But I, it's, like I, like I said last week, I, I feel it's just stale. Okay. What jokes worked for you? Like, for, okay, forget... First of all, forget the crassness of it. Just what jokes in general worked for you? Well, just the the, the two com officers, you know, the, the, the two of them bonding and stuff. Their, they, ban- their yeah, banter Their banter worked, worked good for me. The whole, uh, uh, you're my ex... That, the that, divorce that, thing? Yeah, that, that took away from the whole episode, in my, my opinion. All the... See, now I actually found that interesting. I did too. Yeah. So it's the fact that you're you're getting a divorced couple to work together to run a, a ship after divorce, and and then you find out at the end, spoiler alert, uh, that she's the one that set it all up to begin with. She got him the captainship. She got herself to be the commander. You know, you almost wonder if maybe she's doing this in hopes that the two of them will get back together. So that's the one thing Possibly. that's like in the back of my head. I mean, we know nothing about the year she's had. Correct. We know he so had a crappy year. We know he had a crappy year, but what about her? Maybe she did too, and she's trying to figure out a way to get back with him. I don't know. I thought I thought that 
to it, me, that played to the female element more than it played to us. It, uh, seriously. It, it just went on too long. That's okay. it, it, what, it's, it's what think, I'm getting at. I think the humor behind it, and I've watched the second episode too, so I won't... But the humor behind that gets old real quick, I think. Personally, I In the I second think. episode, you don't like it? Yeah. Okay. Well, the humor behind a divorce. Oh, you know right, what I mean? Right, like, right. even in this episode, they used the humor behind the divorce as a tactic within the episode. I, I That's only going to work for me for so long, and then can we well, give I, that I up, wouldn't, and I, can we move on I wouldn't be surprised else? if it is. Like I said, I think that's the progression he's trying to make. I'm right. willing to bet by halfway through the first season, the divorce thing becomes very Something secondary. Something not even talked about. You know, yeah. very secondary. They may, they may banter and bicker, but it won't be a divorce-style thing anymore. It'll just be the two of them have their clash points. Right. And, like, here's a prime example of humor that didn't work for me and did work for me. The very opening, her in bed with the blue guy and him exploding blue juice all over the bed. <laughs> Obviously an orgasm-type reference. Absolutely. And the visual of it didn't work for me. I'm like, really? You know, did we need to see that? Really? I thought it was hysterical. Well, here's the thing. That didn't do much for me. Later, when he says, do you know anybody who knows how to get blue out of lamps? <laughs> that line worked for me because it was more subtle and more funny. And it's like, I almost didn't need to see the whole explosion thing, if he had just said the line later, be like, well, do you know anybody who knows how to get blue out of white sheets? That would have been enough for, the, okay. for it to work without the crassness of the blunt visual. And that's what I think he needs to move into. Yes, still making the kind of jokes without the off-putting, like a tonal shift that just makes you go, eh, that didn't work for me. At least for me personally. See, you know, I liked it because the guy was not doing it in a traditional way. Yeah. Know, the forehead is not normally where you think of that. Yes. So I kind of, all I could think of was the, was the Star Trek six or eight when he kicks him in the, the knees. knees. Yeah. And not everybody's got their genitals in the same place. You know, yeah. I thought that was a nice little kind of mini homage to, to the undiscovered country. But a bit, but, but a bit too visually crashed. I mean, it was crashed. definitely visually yeah. crashed, but that's, that's Seth MacFarlane. Right. Everybody that knows him knows that's where he's going to go. And that's know? fine. But in, in the nature of this show, the way so much of it, the show doesn't do that. When those yeah. moments come up, they're very tonal. They're very odd tonal shifts. Uh, for yeah, me. I get it. I get it. So I don't mind the humor. I just think it needs to be paired more with the flow of the show. I you know it. what I mean? See, now I thought him stepping on the blob creature was a great moment. Would fit right in. That, like, was, that awesome. was a perfect Seth MacFarlane joke yep. that fit in with the episode. Yes. You good? You good? Yeah, I'm yeah, good. good. You're good. good. And We're he good. keeps going. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, perfect. I thought that was yeah. great humor. I like that. That would have been funnier if you to walked down the hall going like this, trying to shake some of the guys. I got yeah. your arm over here, you know, or something like that. It would have been funny, but you know, it just, I just, I get what you're saying. It semi takes you out of the moment. Right. Those little blips within that. What did you guys think of, I mean, not just the, the special effects, the visual effects, like the sets, the the outfits, the weaponry that they used, the props. I mean, was that all, I mean, did that all fit for you? I it's mean, all it's all two steps off from next generation. Every, I mean, from I the like, uniforms, to the setting, to the shuttlecraft. I, I actually, I'm looking at the uniforms going, I like these uniforms better than next generation's uniforms. Yeah, especially the first season of the next generation. That's what I'm saying. Like, well, yeah, first season of next body generation. Suits, you know? yeah, yeah. They were and he can change these up. If he makes it to two or three seasons, they can do right. the same thing. They can add to the mythology and and, and, and The improve. cool thing about it, and that's the problem I think with next generation and Star Trek itself, it's dated. Okay, like, you look at Star Trek now, it's very 60s, 70s style, it's dated. Oh, yeah. Same thing with Next Generation, it's very 80s, 90s style, it's dated, you can see it. I think when we look back at this show 20 years from now, the uniforms don't look dated, per se. You know what I well, mean? They're, you can say that bla- now. I know, I can say that now, <laughs> and we'll probably have, like, shirts that, you know, 
where the sleeves change themselves or whatever it is, but it just doesn't feel dated for sure. You know, like oh, no. there's certain shows you watch, you're like, this is so 2000s, you can tell. Yeah. You know, like, but this, I it just didn't feel that way. And I liked the uniforms. I liked the props. I was telling Gary, I'm like, I actually love the pistols they're carrying around. Like, I want to yep. find one now. Like, it's that cool. I'm like, I love the little invent. The, the, there was, was a couple cool. things I didn't like. One, the Isaac character. Yeah, he's almost a bit too plain. You know what the, he reminds the, me of is a mixture of like a robot man well, from Doctor Who. Yeah, and a bit of the day the Earth stood still. Yeah, Gort. Gort. Yeah, that's a, so I think that's what he's going for. Is Gort. Yeah, like a mixture of the two. You know, but between Gort, but ben, ben, he's not a robot yeah, though. Bender. It's a yeah. he's wearing a suit is what I got. I don't yeah. think it's an actual robot. I think someday they might take off that mask and reveal what's underneath. Oh, you think so? I think they could. That could be an interesting thing to eventually realize. I don't think it's a robot in there. I get what you're saying because they didn't say it was a robot. They mentioned a species, so yeah. there's got to be some sort of connection there. Yeah, I mean that's the other cool thing about this show too. We can explore some of these species, uh, and, and again, the next generation did that too. You meet these species, and they're like, "Oh, well, what's a you know what's a Klingon or not a Klingon? Yeah, well, they did have Klingon on there. Uh, what was what was um, well like Jadzia Dax? Dax, thank you. I mean, that was she was one, one that they explored on Deep Space Nine. Um, so you start meeting these other creatures, and you want to know, like, what planet are they from? What is it like? You know, explore these cultures and stuff. That's Star Trek. I mean, yeah. that's... that's, and, and that's the cool thing about it, is they give you that as well. So he didn't work for me suit-wise. I'd like to see more... Something more visually unique than it, what really just looked like a suit with a no face mask right. and two glowing eyes. I wanted him to be a bit more than generic. The other thing that didn't work for me at all in this episode were the gunfight scenes. Horrible. Yeah. And maybe that was a bit of a parody on old gunfight scenes. I mean, right. them running through the middle of the the the, uh, the the fountain and just no shots hitting them, even coming close, even though they're surrounded. And part of me wanted to hear the old Star Trek, like yeah. And that's fine if he was going for that little bit of an homage. But very quickly, if we if he's gonna go the route of making us take the show more seriously and getting more involved, those sequences need to feel a bit more threatening or feel a bit more action packed. It did that didn't work for me at all. The space stuff was cool, all the flying around I liked and everything. But when they were just doing gun battles. Horrible. It's pulled me out entirely. Let, let me ask you this other question. And I'm going to throw it out there and it's ugly, but the comparison's been made. What about the comparison of this to Galaxy Quest? You, I haven't seen Galaxy Quest. You've never seen Galaxy I've Quest? I've seen parts. So oh I, can, gosh, I can understand okay. that, yes, there is a very big comparison. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, pretty, I mean, it's pretty close and it's really oddly close, you know? Especially when they went to take the helmets off, I thought we were going to see like the bad guys from Galaxy Quest. And luckily, right. we didn't, you know. But you made the point that it looks just like the—they're like white versions of the Jem'Hadar. The Jem'Hadar, colors. right? Yeah, so they, they had a very much that kind of feel. And even the weaponry looked a little bit Jem'Hadarish in, yeah. in the weaponry. I'd like to know more about those. The krill, yeah. Those krill. I'd Are like they going to gonna be our new Klingon? You know, that's yeah. that's the warrior race that we're going to see. I, I did like the solution at the end. Yes, I thought that was actually a nice touch. What about what about the saying? Hmm? Happy Arbor Day. Oh, I liked his better than Guy. I Wood. did too. Yeah. I liked Happy Arbor Day. Although I thought Got Wood was kind of original too. It was. It was. <laughs> I got wood. <laughs> so overall, it sounds like we're all kind of all over the map on this one. So I guess this is going to be an interesting one for yeah. us to rate because I'd like to rate them as we go through them. Maybe this is something we'll continue looking at at least until Rebels comes out. I think it's going to be. A I'd good like series to watch. I'd like to see more episodes to keep going through. So we'll we'll, we'll continue with this next time. So. 
I'll start this one. Go for it. It's season one, episode one, so it's hard to kind of judge this one. Zero, don't bother, ten, must see. I, I think this one ranks right up there, like, maybe an eight. You know, it's not spectacular. I'm like, it didn't make me completely buy into the series yet. But it definitely was a decent start. I mean, the to me, the sell points are the graphics. There seems to be a decent start of a storyline here. I don't think the humor is awful. I think it times takes it out of the moment. But I think it's a great setup to what could be potentially a great show later on. I think what's throwing people off, and it threw me off a little bit, I was expecting a Star Trek parody. Sure doesn't seem like that's where Seth MacFarlane's going here. Seems more like he's got a Star Trek replacement, not a parody. And if you look at it that way, I think you look at it differently. Watching it a second time and looking at it from that viewpoint and not a Star Trek parody, it kind of shifted my train of thought on it a little bit. Gary, what do you think? I'm going to give it a five because I still don't know what to think of it yet. Okay, so right down the center. Right, and it's it's the first episode, so it's I'm not giving it a zero or I'm not giving it a ten. So it's, right. I just don't know what, where to go with it yet. Okay. Eric, what would you give this one? I'm going to be just a little higher than Gary. I'm giving it a six. I do think the positives outweigh the negatives. I'm so jonesing for a show that had that vibe of, of, old, of Star Trek, of... Like I said, the positivity, the wonder, and stuff like that. Right. I think the humor is tonally off. At, at times it works, but the ones that don't are kind of glaringly so. Okay. I feel like, and like Gary said, I don't know where it's going. And it, I can't rate it higher. I have to go a little higher than average because I want to see more. Okay. It's not something I'm never going to watch again. I want to see a couple more episodes so I can really make a better judgment. But... Out of what I got out of the first episode with the really bad gunfights and the humor that didn't work for me and, you know, the, the the wanting it to be slightly something different. And maybe that's just me posing my personal beliefs onto the show, trying to make it what I want it to be. Right. But it feels like it wants to go in that direction. I have to give it more. So right now I'm only going to say a six. Okay. So two other quick questions before we wrap this up. What do you think of the design of the ship? Do you like it? I told you during the thing, I thought it was cool. When I, I, I saw like it, it in the commercials, I thought it was cool. I know I had friends who made fun of it calling it a sperm. But he, I, I, That I, could I don't be care. on purpose. <laughs> that could be on purpose. I don't care. I like the design. I like the try. I do too. Set the try back of it yeah. is really Having three neat. engines yeah. to push the ship. I thought that was cool. I like the design. I don't, Gary, what do you think of the design? The design's okay. I just like the, the way it goes into warp or whatever you want to call it there. Yeah. I, I like that You like part. the look of that? Yeah. yeah. It, the inside of it? You're on the Enterprise. The bridge right, is yeah. the Enterprise. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, except it's flipped around a little bit, yeah. but it feels very much like the Enterprise. You've even got the, the glass light yeah, open ceiling. Dome ceiling. Yep. You've got, it's the same kind of visual setup. Everyone's kind of in the same places. Um, I, I guess the one thing that pull, pulls me apart on that is uh, you get the two, you get the captain chair and the first officer chair next to each other. Yeah. I well, agree. you had the captain's chair, the first officer chair, and Deanna's chair. Yeah, kind of next to each other. Next yeah. But his was clearly a little bigger, a little more centered, and theirs were kind of a little more forward. And, uh, it was fanned out. Yeah, it was fanned out. This one, the two of them are right next to right. each other. And that is a little weird, but... So, my last question. Let's say CBS comes out with Star Trek... Discovery. Discovery. Let's say it bombs. Does Seth MacFarlane's show take off because Discovery bombs? Or if Discovery does well, does that hurt Seth MacFarlane? So what role does Discovery potentially play on this show once it comes out? I think both your statements were right. Okay. I think if Discovery comes out and it bombs, 
And from what I hear, I mean, it's only on a pay service that you can watch it. Yeah, it's, it's on CBS, CBS Access now. Yeah, Access Now, whatever it's called. Which is why I'm not pushing for us to do this, because I don't know if we're going to get access right. to it, which is stupid. But. Um, so they've limited their audience. Yep. And from what I've seen of it, it's dark. Yeah. It's It doesn't feel like the Star Trek that has the positivity the to it. The bright future. Yeah, it humanity, feels, you know. And, and also, I don't like the fact that even though it's supposed to be a prequel to The Next Generation... It doesn't look like it's in the same universe. They've yeah. changed a ton of stuff. They're not paying. And maybe I'd be wrong. Maybe I'd see the episode and understand why they did it all. I can't I can't judge it that badly based on just previews because I don't know the show yet. But I think what you said in both cases is 100% right. If it takes off, well, then the fans have their new Trek and they're going to be like, well, this McFarlane thing, I can't, I'm not going to invest in it. Okay. If it doesn't take off and people hate it, I could see more going to it going, Boy, this thing really does feel like old Trek. I kind of want to watch it a little like more. This it fills, is the Star it Trek fills, I want. Yeah, it fills that void that I wanted. So I think there is a very strong relationship between the two, and we kind of have to see what happens. I don't see both of them succeeding. I don't. Okay. I don't see a world where both of them Can do what they do and coexist and both get big audiences. I feel like one pulls off the other. I actually think this show is a danger to CBS and and, and Star Trek right now. I really do. Uh, I, I I could totally see old Star Trek fans who've been very upset about where Star Trek has been going for the past decade, basically, saying, I like this show because this is more like what I wanted Star Trek to be rather than what it has become. And I think CBS and Paramount have kind of fooled themselves into thinking what they think Star Trek's supposed to be versus what fans really want. I mean, that's that that's my belief anyway. What do you? What are your thoughts on the two, Gary? Like the connection between the two? Well, I I think CBS has already put a nail in the Star Trek coffin already by making it the the pay service. Yeah. Because how yeah. many how many pay services do you need to have to watch shows? It is getting a little. And how bit do you? And is it only know? a specific CBS access station? And that's that's what I found out through a couple of friends, and and some of them are saying they. Th- think they'll have access and other ones are like we're not sure it's not I like part they, of hulu or part of something no, else no I, it's cbs's own streaming thing. stream yeah they're owning but the, here's the thing it's not just their streaming service because and nathan patrick butler forgive me if i'm wrong but i believe he posted that, like he has the cbs streaming service but he doesn't have access to star trek you would have to change mm-hmm. to cbs all access which is a different streaming service so it's like think of like having like different streaming services where like you have your basic and then you have your silver and your gold well all access is the gold right so to get to star trek people would have to buy like the gold service for cbs streaming that's ridiculous yeah if the numbers are really bad i'll guarantee you it's going to regular cbs or to syndication channels really fast to try and get viewership up they, they can't let it go forever on a, on a dead viewer. I'm wondering if they just put it out there and go, well, nobody watched it, so we're going to kill it. Yeah. I almost think that's the reason behind doing well, what here's, they did. Here, no, here's the other way they look to look at it. Name the two biggest science fiction franchises out there. Well, Star Trek and Star Wars. Okay. Imagine if Disney suddenly says, well, the only way you're going to get to see Star Wars is Star Wars movies is getting our new, our own private Netflix streaming they're already, system. They're, they're already, already working on that. that. No, no. Not the repeats. The new releases. They're already working on that. So if that happens, how many people will absolutely get that? They, I think they there's a strength enough behind the Star Wars brand. I think the mistake CBS made was they felt Star Trek is just as strong. 
Oh, I, they yeah, came into it going, yeah, this yeah. is going to make our pay service. Yeah. We're going to pull in every Trekkie yeah. out there. Well, that's why they shot for the gold <laughs> service, because they figured, well, people will come in and watch Star Trek, and then they'll watch all our other cool stuff, too. Yeah. Sorry. The problem is, unless you happen. made a direct... And then they made the pro, then they made the misstep of, well, it's Star Trek, but it doesn't look and feel like Star Trek, or at least right. it's changing a lot of things. If it had come in being a direct Next Generation sequel, yeah, bright, colorful, mentioning the old characters... You know, putting it into a new the with universe homages with in homages, stuff. the yeah. visuals. You know, yes, update the visuals, but playing off of it. I think then a lot of more people would have been more interested. But by going this route that they did, at least with the visuals I see, I'm like, I, don't, I have no interest in paying a special fee just to watch that. I know. I, I'm. That's why we haven't talked about it too much yet because <clears> I don't know if we're going to get access to it to be able to watch it. Yeah. I refuse to play pay the gold service prices. I mean, li- looking at the prices, I'm like, mm, no. Nah. How much is it for the service? Uh, I believe it's twenty one ninety nine a month or something insane like that. For people like that. who are already paying for cable, to add on twenty one ninety nine a month just to get a CBS service, right. that's, a, that's a crazy thing. Well, if you thing. think about it, a lot of people are doing kind of, I mean, I kind of do. A lot of people are doing, and this, I think I can't believe they can afford this. Some people are doing DirecTV, Hulu, and Netflix all at the same time. I'm like, that's a lot of money to pay per month. Just to have access to everything you want. All I have is Netflix and Amazon. And I and get then that. I watch I what's online. That, yeah. And some people have just cut off direct TV and or just cable TV altogether. Yeah. It's why I think the TV industry's gotta start figuring out how to they gotta play upgrade. to these customers. They I need mean, to go a la carte. Almost, yeah. You need to they need to destroy this monopoly that the companies have, mm-hmm. bundling things together, saying you gotta get all these shows. Yeah. They need to make it for you okay, a dollar per channel. You want yeah. to spend 40 bucks a month, I can give you 40 of the exact things you want to watch. Right. People would probably go back to it then. Yep. Because they'd get just the things they want to watch because that's what they want. Because I'm paying for a whole bunch of stuff I don't care about. Yeah. Honestly, I Hundreds am. of channels. Probably dozens of channels. Probably dozens of channels that I really don't care about. Okay. So those are our thoughts on the Orville. I, I know we just threw a lot of information <coughs> at you guys, but you know what? I think, I think it's, the name it's that the, interesting of a show. We didn't even talk about the name yet, but the name is a good name for the show. Maybe that's something <coughs> Going all the way back to the first in flight. Yep. Or, you know, Orville Wright. Yep. And did you guys and catch that there was a wood yes. plane on... Oh, I missed on, it. Yep. Kevin, on Seth MacFarlane's desk. No, I missed it. The captain's desk. There's a wood plane just like the Orville... Uh, Orville Wright plane. Yeah, the right flyer. Yep. So I just I, I happened to catch that like the first that. time. I was like, that was a nice little touch, nice little homage to the Orville Wright plane. So, 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 so you're learning my line. <laughs> I am. I am from learning from you, Master. Yes. So, <laughs> so with our thoughts on the Orville, we'd love to hear from you. Head on over to galaxycast.com. Email us at galaxycast@gmail.com. Uh, find us on Twitter. Yes, we are on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. We are on Facebook. Find us on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. Go there and check it out, and you get a chance to see us. And I'm sorry. Yes, you, you get, get to see, see a lot us. of the back of my head. Yeah. <laughs> you get to see the awesome posters in our studio, too. So with all of that, as we like to say here in the Star Production Studios, may the force be with those who listen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. Were it not for you, our loyal listeners, this show would not exist. We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line, 
We like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line You've failed me for the last time. And look for the Galaxy Cast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, wayward travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.